Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rump Chat. Uh, it has been quite a time to get this little episode done. We've changed headphones, microphones. Uh, I I threw a five hundred fifty dollars yeah. piece of machinery against the wall. He punched um, a piece of machinery because it's a piece of shit. Yeah, we're we're uh, Rob. Uh, our, let's get into it right now. Yeah. Uh, Rump, introduce our honored guest. Uh, my, our our guest today on Rump Chat. Um, you know, we have a lot of. Uh, bullfighting fans uh, that listen to Rub Chat as we are big, me and you, even though we are not bullfighters currently, <laughs> we are huge fans of bullfighting as you have ran uh, the music and, and helped get the BFO to Las Vegas. Um, I have been a uh, a bullfighter years past. I fought bulls once with you Rob have. back you in have. the day, but I love bullfighting. Oh, I got to get that story. I love, love bullfighting, and uh, I've been able to uh, help in the fighting bull department uh, through flying you rodeo with Reno. And, and so it's been a passion of mine for a long time. And today on the show is one of my heroes. And if you look at my face paint to this day, I have the shooting stars on my, on my cheeks. And that is in tribute to our guest today. And we hate the term goat. Yeah. Oh, he's the goat. He's the guest guys, the goat. And there's, there's so many guys out, but Rob Smets is one of the best bullfighters in the history of the sport, and I'm glad to call my friend, and I'm glad that he stuck with us when all of our <laughs> stuff crashed. But yet here we are, yeah. finally got the five-time world champion bullfighter and PBR bullfighter, Rob Smets is finally with us. Rob Smets, everybody. <laughs> How's it going, guys? And glad, we're just we're glad we were glad able to, to make it work. Glad we were able yeah. to make it work. I apologize that you know. Part of, the, part of it was that my Wi-Fi at home wasn't any good, so I ran over here to my son-in-law and daughter's place over on the other side of Stephenville, and Scott and Dylan have got good Wi-Fi, so hopefully we can get through this show. And yeah. The funny thing is we just worked for Scott at Corpus Christi two yeah. weeks ago, so Scott, hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thanks thanks to, thanks to the Davises. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Rob, it, it's, uh, it's awesome. I mean, you know, and I another thing that we don't like, you get on Facebook, social media, people, man, well, you know, they just throw around the word legend too, too easily. Man, you're a legend, legend. Easy, back off. Well, you know, what have you really done? And in my opinion, you know, yes, but, uh, a, a, guy, a guy like you, to, to us who grew up watching you, I mean, the, 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 the shirts, necktie, and I mean, and then, you know, in the PBR where you were the first guy to get mic'd up, you know, and they could actually hear you, you know, you know, where to go Adriano or whatever, you know, you would talk to them guys. That was, that was, I mean, that's what I think of, you know, that it's pretty yeah. awesome. And so I want to start off. I, was, this, I, was also, I know you've been asked. I was also just to add oh, something. In there. I was the first one to wear the Jersey. I remember that. I remember that, but I don't want to go there right now, Rob. Okay, this is not okay. Rob Chat. This is Rump Chat. Okay. I want to, and I know you've had to tell a story a thousand times, but this is like a no bullshit podcast where, like, we want the real story. And I've heard a little bit about, you know, back in the day, uh, you started in in with uh, some of the same people I did with the Flying U in California. Right. So, oh yeah, okay. Cotton roster, Cotton roster helped me get my start. So take us back. We want to. I want to go down the. I want to. Yeah, I want to go. I want to go through the timeline. I want. I want you to start from 
Rob Smith, and I don't want your cookie cutter answer. No. I don't want to, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want the real stuff. Real from, shit, and we're going to bail in on you here. But, like, take us back through the first days of Rob Smets, and then I'm going to bail in about the late 80s bullfighting, okay? So Rob talks about how the kamikaze kid – Can you, do you ever look back at the old videos and so, say, son of a bitch, that was me? Yeah, you know, there, there was a picture that posted just the other day on Facebook, and it was me jumping 153 at the National Finals Rodeo back in Oklahoma City in 1983, the year that I won my first world title. And the barrel had rolled back. You can see it's still a long ways to get to the bull. And fortunately, 153 came on, and I was able to get a foot on him and go on over him. But And that was the, the night that I won my very first world title and the year that I worked my first NFR and won my first world. I worked with Rex Dunn, the 1983 National Finals Rodeo, and then ended up winning the world that, that year after Miles had stopped me from going home in May of that year. I was I was so tired of winning second to Miles Hare that we were in Fort Smith, Arkansas, which is coming up. It, it actually starts on next week. I'll but be there. Usually Fort Smith is this weekend. It was always on Memorial Weekend. And Miles had beat me for three rounds, and we were sitting up drinking cold beer and visiting uh, – you know, and, and I sat there and I looked at him and I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm going home. I've had enough. I'm tired of winning second to you. And, and Miles looked over at me and he goes, no. He goes, quit trying all the crazy shit and get back to the fundamentals and do what you do. And I won the next, the, the next night we went back there to Fort Smith and I, I won, the, won the last round there. I ended up winning the next five bullfights in a row and won my first world in 83. You said, go, let's go back. I want to go back to the very, very first. And, and to go, and to go back, we would be going back to Bellotto park, Hollister, California. I had, as a kid, I lived overseas. My dad did heavy construction work. We lived in Thailand for three years. I lived in Australia for three years. Huh. We lived in, Puerto Rico a year. I lived in Singapore almost a year. Uh, I got interested in rodeo, got on my first couple calves as a kid in Australia, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Came back home. The rodeo bug kind of bit me, you know, where I, I wanted to get on and started going to junior rodeos in California there, Livermore Junior Rodeo, Martinez, Hayward Junior Rodeo, all, all around there. And was sitting on the fence one day at right at the end of my sophomore year. And Donnie Land Donnie Landis's dad used to come to those events. Donnie was fighting bulls a little bit with a guy named Stubby Gomes, Frank Gomes. And I got done riding and I was sitting on the fence and I kept hollering at him, get up there, hit him on the head. And they said, you think, you think <laughs> We do that. You know, you think it's so easy, get your ass off the fence and show us. <laughs> And, and and not that I did anything fantastic, but, you know, in Australia, I had also started boxing. I boxed in the police athletic league. So I played rugby. I played football. I boxed. Contact sports, I'm, I'm all right with that. You you want to, you know, hit me, I'm, I'll take one to get one. I'm, I'm all for that. And, uh, so it was the wildest game of tag I'd ever played. 
And man, my old heart went to pounding and it was pretty dang cool. And, and like I said, not that I did anything fantastic, but man, a couple of near misses. And it was just like, wow, this is cool. The next year, Frank Gomes started working bigger, bigger and better events for Danny Russell, more of their bigger amateur rodeos. And it opened a spot in our high school rodeos. Well, Donnie Lannis and I were buddies anyway. And Donnie's dad would come and kind of say, well, you need to try this and you need to try that. And so Bill would kind of coach me in a way, and I went at it. And so my junior and senior year, I worked our high school rodeos there in District 4. And Teddy, guys like Teddy Noose from District 5 and Marty Stannard and Joe Foscalina and Kirk Allman and, you know, all guys that I high school rodeoed with. And all, all guys that let me learn the trade right there practicing on them. And did it, did you ever good. get – did you ever get to fight bulls back in the day with Ted Groney? I thought Ted Groney, yes. Ted, I was before Ted Groney. Me and, yeah, me and okay. Ted Groney come to one of my bullfighting schools. I did not know that. I wasn't for sure how that worked out, but you know, yeah, Ted so, were so did Joe yeah. Baumgartner. So did yeah. Weston. So did Weston Ratowski. So did Cody Emerson. Who are those guys? Uh, I don't. Uh, you know. So, those are, well, Emerson, Emerson, and Rutowski would both be guys that are world champ. Jerry Norton. Yeah, now, we just yeah, saw Jerry. Yeah, absolutely. Rutowski, Rutowski, and Emerson—they both came to Rob Smith's Miles Hair Bull Fighting Schools. Okay, but, so you get done. You get done fighting at the at the high school rodeos, and where go do ahead. you go from there? High school rodeos are over. How did you get your card? Let's get into that part. So as the high school rodeos ended, I also bulldogged back in high school, much like Mr. Rumford. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Jack Roddy, who was a, yep. a former Hello, president, Jack. Jack Roddy, former president of the PRCA, he also helped with the San Jose Firefighters Rodeo. Chuck Henson and Jerry Marilutz were working the rodeo. He got us to where we could go work one performance with Chuck Henson and, and Marilich at San Jose Firefighters for them to sign our pro cards. San Jose was always the last week of September. So I'd gra I had graduated in June. I was still 17 years old all the way till September 11 is my birthday. So two weeks after I turned 18 years old, I got to go in front of uh, Chuck Henson and Jerry Marilich they approved us for our card, both me and Donnie, on the same day. And then come January 1, we bought our cards in 1978 and, and went about it. I worked a bunch of Bob Cook's rodeos. Bobby, Bobby Cook, who is Bob's daughter, works for Western Horsemen. Uh, you know, Lake Comanche was the very first rodeo I showed up at for Bob Cook. And on the day, I remember being excited about that. Chuck Henson and Marilyn said they were going to sign for our card. And I walked, I ran over to Bob Cook to shake his hand to say, thanks, thanks very much. I was just all pumped, you know. Bob Cook shook my hand and he said, don't know why you're thanking me. It wasn't my damn idea to let you in the arena. It was, it was, it was Jack Roddy's, and, you know, but it was Roddy, Sparrick, and Cook. That's what RSC was. And yep, so, rodeo. yeah, so, so anyway, that happened. I showed up at Lake Comanche, California, April of the next year. And there was a guy from Texas 
long hair down on his shoulders. And oh. I, had seen, I, I, had yeah. seen him, I had seen him before at the Northern Rodeo Association finals in Billings, Montana. And I watched him fight two bulls under spotlight at the NRA finals. And I was like, this dude is badass right here. And it was Brian McNair. And uh, so I land at Lake Comanche, California. And who's the guy that's there? with the old boy that flips his old hair over his shoulders. I mean, them girls used to line up. McNair, he'd stand there with his old thumbs in his pockets, and he's six-footer, you know, and weighed maybe 180 pounds, and that long brown hair. He'd come out there to California with that Texas draw. Them girls were lined up from here to the other end of the arena, waiting to see who could talk to him, you know. (laughs) He'd flick that old hair and kind of nod the way he'd off. He'd sneak off, you know. He'd be gone with another. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, and I got to fight bulls with him though, and like I said, he was a badass. He he could step through. He was an athlete. He jumped bulls and and, and was really good. And and to not be embarrassed, you had to hook up, you know. And so I worked worked some with him, and he showed me a few things, and then. I, I also had some of Cotton Rossers run out there on the West Coast, and Cotton had as good a run as anybody could ever want to be on, and I worked all those West Coast rodeos for him. And then that year, actually, let me back up just a little bit. 1977, right after I get my pro card signed for, we sneak into the Cow Palace on the final night of the Cow Palace. We'd snuck in other nights, but the final night of the Cow Palace, 1977. Donnie Gay rides Oscar, and Wick Peff wins the very first bullfighting contest that Cotton Rosser put on with the with the Cow Palace. Now, knowing that the Cow Palace back in that era was the rodeo, mm-hmm. I remember. That, yeah, that, that's that's where, that's where dreams were made or dreams were lost right there because that was the final rodeo of the year that yep. counted toward the NFR. So that bar yep. that was on the corner of the Cow Palace, there was a lot of guys celebrating, and there was a lot of guys drinking their sorrows away because yep. the because the NFR had just gotten lost right there. So yep. I, can, I can remember watching Wick Fight Bulls, and my buddy Richard Caton and I were down there in the moat, and, and Nev Devine, and we were all down in there, and I bumped both my buddies, and I said, I'm coming here next year. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in this bullfight. I gotta win this bullfight. This is it. And like I said, it was back in the time when I was boxing too. So I was running eight, nine miles a day. I, I was in shape. I, you know, and I just assumed fight a bull as fight a man or fight a man as fight a bull. It didn't really matter what order it was in. That, that was just that was a <laughs> and now that I look back though, it's an unfortunate chip that I had on my shoulder. Because rather than try to talk things out or just get out of things, you know, my dad's rules were I was never allowed to throw the first punch, but I never had any trouble getting somebody to swing. I can say enough to get him to swing. And then dad said, you throw the first, no, sir. <laughs> I, he swung. <laughs> so how did you get there the next year then? So you know, what so were the, well, working all the cottons rodeos and stuff. They, it was an, it was kind of an invite. You paid an entry fee. We all paid an entry fee, and there was me, there was Bob Romer, there was Miles Hare, there was Bull Dancer. Wow. 
There was there was Bob Donaldson. Wow. There was Jerry Marilich. There was Wick Peth. There was there was there was sixty Greg Doring. Uh, I can I can't remember all that were in there, but there there were sixteen of us. So two you know, every, so two every first. Yeah, it's just it's just hearing these names and and maybe a lot of our listeners now maybe not privy to the lineage of bullfighters, you know, but I, I mean, obviously growing up in, in a rodeo family, like run, all those names, I mean, how many hall of famers did you just name? You know, right I mean, there. you, you literally walked Dale with Woodard. legends. Dale Woodard was in there too, as a, cause Dale was still fighting bulls a bunch too then. So it was, and, and it was unlike, it was not like the Wrangler bullfights. You didn't just draw a bull and you had your 90 seconds to fight him. This was, you work the perf. Me, you and me, Rump, we're going to go out there and yep. work the perf. And you cut each other off. You do what else. But it, it's a it's a free-for-all bullfight from start to finish. And wow. each, each, each of us got a bull. We each got our fighting bull, too. But the bucking bulls, they just, huh. Huh, if a bucking bull would hook up, you fought the bucking bulls, too. And it, so the, the more wild it was, the better they liked it. Well, you know? and, and on, honestly, if you think about the guys you listed off, you kind of bridge the gap between uh, the first generation of Wrangler bullfights. And then you, I mean, you fought bulls clear through the nineties. And to, so you kind of, you were around as a I young guy, the thing. older guys. Yeah. And then you were, so you, you got to bridge the gap between, the old school and the new school all in, in, in one career, which I think that is amazing. Cause like, I, I can't remember uh, a lot of those guys fighting bulls, but I do know the name, the, the bull dancer and, and Wick Peth. And, and I uh, got to hang out with Skipper Voss this year at Fort Worth at the BFO finals. And so the, the names that you got to as a young man that were on their way out uh, that you got to, to be around. It's just amazing to think in your blessed. career, you were at the first and the last, but you you weren't you weren't worn out at the end. Uh, but you were you were in both spots, and I think in your career that's one pretty uh, pretty cool point. I was re- I was really blessed because after after that day, you know, or after that after the Cow Palace. Now I won the first go round. Bob Donaldson won the next go round. So Donaldson was a Wickpeth protege. And, you know, the Wick had taken him under his sleeve. And, and so Marilutz had signed my card. And, and I can, like I said, I'm, I'm 18 and a half. I just barely had turned 19 years old when I'm at the Cow Palace that year. And Wick, Wick looks, turns around to Jerry Marilutz and he says, I'll bet my check against your check, my man beats your man. <laughs> huh? Hey, I, it's just like us doing this show right here. I'm standing right here. I mean, Wick makes this challenge right there in the Marilich. I'm standing right there. It's like he <laughs> slapped me right in the face. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, Marilich looks at me. I said, take the damn bet. <laughs> I was all fired up. <laughs> Is that when you had the little the little straw hat and the big mustache? I had my little, my little one, little snap brim, you know, and I said, I said, take the bet. So Marilucci he takes the bet, and the last night it ends up it's me and Bob Donaldson, and and we're going at it, going at it, going at it, and 
You know, I, I take one pretty good hook in and get back up and go at them again. And finally, the Cow Palace has a moat around it. Oh, I, I've worked the Cow Palace five okay, times. So you, so you know the moat and the two cables right there. Well, this yeah. high-headed high Bramer runs, runs us both up the fence, and we're five feet apart, six feet apart from each other, me and Donaldson, and he's got us both up there, and this Bramer's doing us like this looking at us both. And Donaldson looks at me and I just waved at him. I said, bye-bye. And I just bail on this over his head and jump on him backwards and grab him by the flank. I ride him about two rounds and then he rips me out of there, you know, and anyway, we get back and fight, fight a little bit more and it ends up. And fortunately I win it. I have to back up a little bit though. I got a buddy of mine that's passed since then named Jim Rhodes. And Jim Rhodes was an old outlaw. But but the one thing about Jim Rhodes, Jim Rhodes, if he was your partner, he was your partner to the end. You didn't know you didn't ever have to look back over your back. And out there, out there in California, like he worked on Jack Roddy's ranch on on the Bell Ranch and and on those different places out there. And he was he was a good cowboy, but he was an outlaw. And so the first night that we were walking through the Cow Palace, the year that we're there, Palm Saddlery had, they gave a saddle away for the U.S. Cowboy Bullfighting Championship. So as we're walking around and we're checking out all the people that have got booths set up and all that, Flanagan's Frontier Store and Palm Saddlery and Palm's Cotton just got- Cowboy Corral, downtown Marysville, California. <laughs> yeah, Cotton's Cowboy Corral was up there too. And, and so we walked by Palm Saddlery. Well, they got the saddle out there, U.S. Cowboy Bullfighting Champion. And Rhodes goes, jump up in that saddle. We need to set the stirrups. And so I jump. I, I do. I sit in the saddle. We get our stirrups measured, and we start, set, we start setting the stirrups. This is before the cow house had even started. And, and the guy from Palm Saddlery comes around there and goes, hey, hey, what are you guys doing? Rhodes goes, we're setting the stirrups. We'll be back after this son of a bitch next week. <laughs> so, lo, so, so lo and behold, I do win the deal that night. And as they start to hand me the saddle, Rhodes, he's been at the bar and he's hooping and hollering from up there out of the box seats right above us where they're giving the announcement. And he goes, we ain't got to set the damn stirrups. You know, <laughs> and he's that's, right. calling, that's, that's yeah. calling your shot. I love yeah, that. Absolutely. So it was so, pretty, you know, it ended up being a really cool night. But that was before the regular bullfight started. That was 78, you said? Well, that was 78. So so then after that, they, they got back over to Rapid City, South Dakota, and Miles and Skipper and, and, and Wick. They, and David Allen from Wrangler. And Lloyd Ketchum. And, and, and <laughs> this is before Ketchum. I know, it's a joke. And, 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 and they started, uh, they met with Jim Sutton. They started talking about putting on a bullfight in Rapid City. And Rapid City had that bullfight. They had a bullfight in 1980. And they started working things out. 1981, we, they crowned the first world champion. Which was Skipper, right? Which was Miles. Oh, Miles, that's right. Miles. Miles. Miles won the world. I won second. Skipper won third. 1982, I went in in the lead for the world. Skipper won the world. Miles won second. I won third. 
1983. I just, I told you that story. I, you know, Miles stopped me from going home. And when I won the world, we got back in the locker room and Wick looked over at Miles and said, why didn't you let him go home? <laughs> That'd been easier that way. I mean, if you think one, so how old were you when you, when you won your first world title? 1983, I would have been just, just barely 24. Wow. Year I was born, but no big deal. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the good part though, prior to that, I had, uh, I worked St. Paul, Oregon with Wick. The, like the day that I, the day I won the deal at the Cow Palace, I ran over in the boat to Wick Path and said, Mary Lutz is standing by Wick and said, pay up. You know, I mean, I was the first person I made a beeline for was Wick Path. Was you pay up, Mister? You bet against me, pay up. And and it was almost a year before Wick would talk to him. You know, he really, yeah, oh yeah. And then we we got to I got picked to work St. Paul, Oregon. Well, St. Paul was Wick's rodeo. First time I ever fought bulls with Wick, and I can remember I was jumping and. <sighs> Boy, my breath was getting shorter and shorter, and I was starting to hyperventilate. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking I got to keep up with with the man, you know. And he walked over and he tapped me on the chest, and he said, "Hey, son, you got to breathe." <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know, and and from, and from there on out, we became buddies. He taught me how to hop and to stay square, not get my feet crossed. Skipper Skipper Voss taught me how to do the step through on a chair in the dressing room in Omaha, Nebraska. Jimmy yeah, Anderson. Jarvin. Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Anderson taught Uncle me. Jimmy. All, Jimmy, brother Jimmy right there, taught me all kinds about partnering and where to be and, and to stay in opposite and then my, and Miles. So what made Rob Smets was, I mean, Donnie Landis' dad spoke into me, McNair, but but the four four most important would be Miles Hare, Jimmy Anderson, Skipper Voss, and Wick Path. And wow. I I took a little here, a little here, a little there, and a little there, and, and that's that's what you got. And and I will tell you this: I'm good friends with Miles to this day. And Miles, for as many miles as he's been, Miles Hare looks good. Miles like, Hare will forget more about bullfighting than most guys will ever know. He, he judged the high school rodeo in Nebraska a couple years ago. I watched a video. He got hooked more than the bullfighters did judging. <laughs> you know, uh, come, come on, cocky. You come know. on, cocky doodle. Yeah, yeah, but okay. So now this is this is where I really want to bail in kind of the, the heavier crap because this is what like just blew my mind as a kid and, and still to this day. So I've got every bullfight from 1985 on. And so when the NFR gets to Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas. In, I want you to talk about the days, the Greg Rumor days, Steve Mowry, the wild days of bullfighting. Because that's okay. Bullfighters today like work out and uh, you know do push-ups and post it on Instagram. But they're <laughs> in the '80s. It got a little wild, uh, <laughs> kind of a little bit behind the scenes, didn't it? There, you know. Don't hey, no, no bullshit us here, Rob. I, I won't. I won't bullshit. I'm. I'm not going to say names. I will. I will say this. No. Nope. That, that, Rob, that Rob Smets, though I I was able to hold everything together in the arena. The wheels were falling off the tracks outside the arena. Right. 
You know, I mean, that was a, that was and, a, the late eighties though. was a crazy time for a lot of people. Well, in, in that era of guys there, when you think about it and you go back and you look at it, everything, even in the world, everybody was about trying to be an outlaw. Everybody was about seeing how far you could, nobody really wanted to get busted, but, no, huh? but everybody was about seeing just how far you could step over that line and not get caught. Right. You know, right. and I, I, since, since then, and, and with the way things have changed in my life and, and haven't been saved in 98, you know, I mean, and there was a long span there that I went through a marriage. I went through, you know, I've, I've, I've wrestled with everything and done everything, but stick a needle in my arm. I've been, right. I've been there, done that. You ain't going to show me anything, you know? Right. Um, and I'm not, whatever I want to make sure I tell people though, I'm not saying that pridefully. I made a lot of, a lot of damn mistakes. And the thing that people have to remember is we want to say, Oh, the only person I can hurt in this mess is me. That's bullshit. Because right. we, yep. end up, we end up hurting a lot of people that never even had a say in it. Well, and I would try to, I'm not trying to glorify it, but I mean, it was a, the late eighties was a wild time. So when I talked to, uh, when I first got the NFR, uh, 2014, I was talking to Sean Davis, uh, you know, how he makes everybody come yeah. into his office and, and he go, and I was like, uh, don't worry, we won't be wild. And he said, you guys don't know what wild yeah. is. You should have been around here in the eighties with those boys in the, in the Wrangler bullfights. He said, those guys might beat up a security guard, ride in a limo, slam a case of beer before the bullfights. He said, those guys were wild, but they were good. At what but they, they took care of, but they took care of, you know what? And, and we were wild and we, and we did step over the line a little bit, but they, they, they were good. And we took care, we took care of each other and, and the, and the security guard was Alan Keller. And I was standing right by Jimmy Anderson when he did, he give Alan Keller all he wanted and give up more than a hundred pounds in weight difference between him and Alan Keller down there. And finally Keller being the bigger guy happened to hit Jimmy just right. Jimmy's head hit that block wall and down went Jimmy. When Jimmy, when Jimmy hit the when Jimmy hit the floor and Keller stepped up to give him the boots, I stepped across the top of Brother Jimmy and pushed Keller and said, "Uh-uh, I'm next in line, but you ain't giving nobody the boots." Well, I I think that's what was cool about back in the days of the FR. You you could not get away with that now. Oh my, you like, you'd be yeah, you'd, you'd be, be in jail. You would be kicked out of the finals so fast, you know, like yeah. uh, you, you know, really? in the in in those days was it was. It was wild. The bulls were big. You look at purple people eater, well, crooked nose. And now all they want to do in the bullfighter room, people come in there and take a shit in the bathroom. That's all they do nowadays. Yeah. In the, yeah. In the bullfighter locker room. <laughs> it's really well, melting their ass kicked back in the day if you did that. Well, and, and the thing about that group of guys, too, is if we had words with each other, like, and I've had words, me and Rumor have had words. I've, I've had my share of words in places. But – We'll have our words. Don't nobody else get say words to us, or the yeah. two, or or us two are liable to kick your ass. You know, yeah. what I mean? that whatever differences we got, that's between us. That ain't for you to get in the middle of. Yeah, you know? and we're gonna get. And that's we're, we're, gonna get, we're gonna get to the big bulls here in a minute, but I just want to ask you a couple questions about different guys and what it was like to to rodeo with them. Number one, one of my heroes who I still miss and cherish, uh, and love. And I talk to Tracy and, and the boys sometimes, but 
Rex Dunn. Uh, loved Rex. Talk about Rex a little bit. Rex Dunn. Rex Dunn, as, as I mentioned just a little bit ago, 1983, my very first NFR that I get chosen to work, and, and it was Rob Smets and Rex Dunn. The thing that was so crazy about it was Rex Dunn and Rob Smets had never worked a rodeo together. Yeah. Really? We had I never worked, we had never worked in West Coast in Oklahoma. Until we get to Oklahoma City and now we've got the biggest best, you know, the biggest <laughs> show in the world and they here you go boys and, and and we were two opposites. You know on how we fought bulls. So getting used to how each other was going around things, you know, was was good but me and Rex we we had a blast. We worked together well. Rex and I were good buddies. I, you know, I got yeah, all the, I got all the respect in the world for Rex Dunn. I, I always loved Rex. You know, Rex was the first one when I was fighting bulls. Uh, I started at the old Coyote Hills. Hmm. back. I was skinny back then, and you probably right. remember that. But, you know, uh, Rex said, you know, Justin, he was actually the very first one, even before J.D. Feller. Uh, he <laughs> said, Rex goes, man, as funny as you are, I don't know why you want these big, mean things to run you over. Why don't you think about your life a little bit? Okay. Right. All right. So that was the Rex done. Number two, gone but not forgotten. Tell us about Greg Rumor. And I, I got to actually work the barrel for Greg my first year in, uh, as a, a rodeo clown at North Platte, Nebraska. So tell us a little bit about Greg. Greg, Greg Rumor was a gamer. Uh, what was uh, he like in the locker room? Because uh, I know how uh, I am in the locker room with Weston and Tuckness and those guys. And it's, we joke around, but what was it like? It like having Greg Rumor in the locker room. You know, Rumor and I uh, at at a point there was in Pam we were in Pampa, Texas one year, and Rumor Rumor hadn't been beat. You know, nobody had beat him, and we we got to Pampa, and I'd won the first couple of rounds, and Rumor was pretty upset about it, and he to the point that he was cussing judges, and then pretty soon him and I started having some words back and forth, and. We're, we're there on that Saturday night and rumor. I mean, it, to the point we're back behind those. Have you ever worked Pampa, Texas? Uh, no, but I was there working for Benny when I was 12. Okay. I was probably so, there. Well, you know what Pampa's like right there. And the trainer was there and we're, we're having words back and forth. And pretty soon rumor and I are both getting pretty loud with each other. And, you know, rumor, rumor had boxed. I had boxed and we both, you know, we were, we were right on the verge of saying, Okay, let's do this, you know. And here come Benny with Big Doran Camp from around the corner. <laughs> Jerry, we were, Benny. We were, loud, we were loud enough that the people in the grandstands were all watching back behind the bucking chutes <laughs> instead of watching the road. Yeah, and uh, here, come, here come Benny, and Benny was screaming and hollering, Smets, and he was going on. And I said, Benny, the only reason you're mad is you thought you were going to miss it. <laughs> That's true. And Benny just shook his head, damn you, Smets. You know, and needless to say, Rumor and I had never got that far. And later that year when we got to the NFR, and they used to always set a keg back in the shower there at the NFR. They don't after, do that anymore. And and after after the last go around there, we sat there and we visited. And, and the last two guys that were still sitting down in, in the locker room was me and Rumor pouring each other a cold beer. And, and in fact, we grabbed the keg. And took it to the elevator and brought it up and met everybody up on top at the at the Wrangler room that was right up. Yeah, you know, how the Wrangler Suite is. And, yeah. You know. 
You know, one of the one of the best openings ever at the NFR, and there's been so many great ones, but this actually just got reposted the other day. Somebody reposted it, but uh, I'll never forget. It was so awesome. They introduce uh, Miles, you, and Skipper, and Jim Sutton at the time of NN, and then out comes Greg Rumor. Yes, sir. 53-year-old Greg Rumor, and Ted Kimsey's rolling out the barrel. And Greg Rumor fights a bull. Yep. And fights him good for a 53-year-old man. Yeah, he looks outstanding. He bounced. And the thing is, he never wore a vest. No. Rumor never wore wore a vest. The guy was an athlete. He was a tremendous athlete. You know, golden, golden gloves boxer. Played hockey. I mean, the, the guy was his light nose. Up. You know, yeah. That nose. That nose will show you there wasn't no backup. <laughs> you know, you ain't gonna. You're not gonna spook him. He just. He he's one of them guys that he just assumed go down. As as say, I'm sorry. You know. And and and, and one more one more quick Greg rumor story that I saw North Platte, Nebraska. I was working for Copenhagen at the time, and uh, I was on the back of the shoots and Hadley was out on horseback announcing. And they fought a bull to sell it, as a you know, Benny Butler Rodeo does. And yeah. um, that bull kind of left. Well, Hadley turned his horse to look at the, the big grandstand on the other side to sell the rodeo. Well, that bull had switched around and came back. And, I mean, it's, it, even he's selling it, but but Corley is Hadley, Hadley, you know, yelling, but that bull yeah. got there so, and hooked that horse, and down goes Hadley. And Hadley's been old since eighty, yes, you know, sir. since nineteen eighty. Uh, bless his heart. And 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 but Greg Rumor was at the shoots, and the next thing you knew, you just saw this red flash, and he and that bull was doubling back to just, I mean, just do God knows what to Hadley. And Greg Rumor picked that bull up and weaved his way, fought him, weaved his way all the way back to the outgate. And that's the first time I've heard heard of Greg Rumor. I and 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 saw, and I was like, oh my God. That was that was unbelievable. Greg 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 Rumor was a hard headed son of a buck, but he's a class act. And I tell you one thing about him: Greg Rumor's all about rights, right? Yep. Yeah, you know, uh, his- there's no there's no touch of gray. It's it, it's black or white with Rumor, and, and, and he and he would draw a line in the sand. And and you can't you got to respect somebody for that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's all he did in the bullfighting. You know, he passed away. Uh, several years ago from a wreck with a bulldozer. And you think about the, the risk that that you guys have taken as bullfighters, but in the end, when God's ready for you, it don't matter what, if you're fighting bulls or driving a car, when it's your time, it's your time. And, and, um, uh, and I'll never forget Greg rumor and, and uh, his daughters are beautiful and, and doing great. And uh, what a, you know, there's kids today uh, through our BFO camps, UBF camps, through all these different camps that that watch the Greg Rumor videos, mm-hmm. DeKevis Jordan, uh, who's a good friend of mine, he at Sykeston, he's in there watching bullfighting videos of Greg Rumor and you guys and Rob and, and yeah, I remember that I saw him he, and he he's in there. There was the year and I'll never forget this. I go into his, he's got a van. DeKevis does. He's got this van with a air conditioner in the back and he's in there. And it was the year that you had a uh, dyed hair. Yeah, you went slim shady. Yeah, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, he's in there watching, and so 
you got a you got a kid who has never met you guys and he doesn't know you guys but who can almost uh physically do a lot of the same stuff because he's watched the video and and practiced on uh on calves and, and uh, some fighting bull cows so the, the cool thing i guess for greg and for a lot of you guys is even though you're done uh in your bullfighting career you're you're not yeah. <laughs> you know right do you feel like that ever Oh, yeah. And, and what's like I mentioned earlier, where we were popping out, you know, Rutowski and Cody Emerson and, and guys that have come to, through our school, Zach Call. There's, oh, yeah. yeah. Zach Call. There's yeah. a whole bunch of them boys have all come to the Miles Hare Rob Smith's bullfighting school. You know, what, when guys have been there, Jerry Norton won the world, Rowdy Berry, yep. Doug Frizzani, you know, Frizzani. Oh. Frizzani stand there and throw a fake as good as anybody in the business. That was one of my favorite things. I was that was my I'm glad you led me into that. Because in American Bullfighter, which was my jam growing up, I had it on VHS and it's got Frizzani and Rob Smets driving around in a single cab Dodge pickup with a sleeper on the back. Yeah. And it the one scene has got Frizzani getting knocked out in Billings, Montana, and he's laying on his back going, I rodeo bullfighter. <laughs> I rode a bullfighter. I love Frizzani because they said, Frizzani, I rode a bullfighter. They said, Where are you at? And he said, In the dirt. <laughs> yeah. But Frizzani, I always looked up to Frizzani because me and him were built a lot alike, uh, in that we were bigger. But, you know, Frizzani never wore uh, knee braces. No. And he he was dirty, tough. And he would, Frizzani get around a bull, but he'd take a hook in, but you, it was like, it was like a bull trying to hook a, an oak tree stump. You could yeah. not, you could not injure Doug Frizzani. Kind of like Doug, you. Doug, Doug, Doug came to my bullfighting school in 1986 in Boardman, Oregon, at Jody Tatones, and we're both. I graduated high school. Salinas Frizzani's from Salinas. You know, we 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 both. Frizzani's like a little brother to me, and yeah. I played center. Frizzani played nose guard. We related to each other a whole bunch, and he picked up a lot of it. Had a really good fake, and he, you know, it's all about good misdirection. If you can move them over there, then the rest of it's easy. It's all how you start the fight, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, Frizzani, he's he. I really do feel like, like looking back, he he's kind of underrated. When you look at great Wrangler bullfighters, he gets left out of the mix a lot, but. I got it. He's grouchy on Facebook now, but <laughs> I will, I will he, say that Doug, he's Doug, a Byron. He's a he's Byron. Like, yeah. He's like Byron Walker. He likes to talk a lot of crap, but I, I love him. I love Frizzani and I've never, we've hung out a couple times. We actually were at Ada. He was Ada pulling shoot gates at Rex's bullfight when I was 19 years old. Um, the, the night before we, uh, they had a protection match at Ada right at Rex's deal. And then Saturday was the bullfight. And, um, me and uh, Ash McClellan, who was a tall, skinny guy that helped Bad Company, they called him Stretch. And uh, Frizzani called me and Ashley McClellan together, skinny legs and fat ass. And <laughs> so that was our that was our name. But we did pretty good. We ended up like fifth out of six teams. So Frizzani, you know, Frizzani speaks <laughs> nothing. Frizzani speaks nothing but the truth. And them boys out there today don't know what it is to be scared. Yeah. So okay, one more bullfighter. They ain't seen that big pin. 
Oh, we are. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But there's one more bullfighter that I, uh, <laughs> that I want to talk about. That also the guy that uh, I'm good friends with his sons. You can't think about the Wrangler bullfights without Dwayne Hargo. And Dwayne Hargo Jr. is a good. Uh, oh, I love him. Aaron Hargo. Yeah, uh, I got to know them through the Flying U. Those boys are awesome. But Dwayne Hargo Jr. He's just he's still a cool cat. And we're going to transition from this into the big bulls, uh, you know, because I've got a video at home of Dwayne Hargo, Dwayne Hargo. Yeah, I was like, fighting, yeah, Dwayne Hargo, not Junior. Yeah, yeah. Getting, fighting getting, getting purple cut off by, Getting cut off by crooked nose and thumping his head on the barrel. But Dwayne, yeah, he knocked him. Dwayne knocked Hargo himself was a out on the barrel. Yeah, he was, and so. Uh, you know, he was, he always seemed pretty cool. And like even Arrow and uh, Arrow, Arrow, Dwayne and Aaron Jr. <laughs> I'm totally messed up on that. But they, uh, those guys are just cool as a cucumber. And while I never got to see uh, the old Dwayne fight bulls, he always seemed like he was just a cool customer. He never seemed too shook up. He just fought bulls. It wasn't nothing crazy, but it wasn't, I mean, he went to every bull. He was just solid as you could be. Dwayne was Dwayne was really quick, really really good, really good on his feet. Could step through one of one of the prettiest bullfights that you'll ever see if you can go back and find it. Is he fought six blue of Borbas that year at the NFR to where one at one point he's on his hands and knees, kind of making around with him, and and just that blue that six blue was just one that would stay with you. And Hargo just hustled his butt off. It it was pretty, and Dwayne Hargo's. Good people. They, yeah. they, you can't get around anybody any better. Oh, I do want to. I do want to ask one more guy, and I wonder this because I know the relationship I have with bullfighters nowadays as a barrel man. You know, like when we get rodeos together, whether it be, well, like sound man or a clown or whatever. But so Ted Kimsey, as a barrel man, he worked every. Did he work every uh, Wrangler bullfight? Uh, I'm pretty NFR. sure he did. NFR. Yeah. Yeah. Every NFR. He was at every one, right? Yeah. Kimsey's how, how, how much fun was Ted to hang out with back in the day? Ted Kimsey's a good guy. You know, did you I ever mean, have to help with Clown X? Oh, yeah. I I had to. Yes. I had to help with Clown X. Did you <laughs> like it? Did you like well, it? No. I mean, because I never felt comfortable with comedy. So. You know, it was, it was, but if I'm going to get there, Rumford, you come up to me and say, Smets, I need help. I'm going to go do what I got to do. You, you heard him. You, you heard, heard him right there. We got, you know, we got I mean, the motorcycle. That, that's, well, that's the nature of the, that's the part of the game. You know, I got to, yeah. that's what I got to do. That's what I got to do. But as far as for me to go tell the committee that, hey, San Antonio, I want your rodeo and I'll make them some bucks laugh. Better for me to go to San Antonio and say, you know what? You just keep turning one out every night. I won't tear your fences down because I will be in the middle of the pen. Well, you know, there there is some in this day and age. And there's 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 a lot of good guys. Evan Allard loves Clown X. Yeah. Loves him. He'll be in him. But there's a lot of the new generation of bullfighters that do That's not cool. want to help. They don't want to help rodeo clowns, but like Cody Webster will. He loves it. Yep. Telling us he, he don't have a choice, you know, because <laughs> yeah. I'll make him or I'll beat the crap out of him. Uh, but those guys actually work out pretty good. But, uh, you Weston know, helps. 
Who? Weston. Oh yeah, Weston. Weston loves. I don't know anymore. I think I think with guys with you though, they're your buddies, and so they're gonna help you out. You know, if it's I don't know some guy and you know I don't know Brainerd, Minnesota. I don't know. Yeah, the one guy. There was a guy in Nebraska at an amateur rodeo I worked a few years ago. I said, I need your help for this clown act. He said, Mister, I'm serious about my bullfighting, and I don't want to get lumped in to the rodeo clown aspect of it. So I'm not going to help you with your act. Really? I said, well, do you have, yeah. I said, do you have your card? He said, no, but I'm about to get it. And I said, well, I, you know, <laughs> no, I got a little, I got a little stroke with a lot of people. Maybe I could help you. He said, well, but if I help you one time, then every rodeo I'll go to, they will expect me to be a rodeo clown. And I'm not a clown. I'm a professional athlete. And that was three years ago. And he still don't have a card. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you, I, I agree 100%. Yeah, but you I, were working an amateur rodeo. It was on the way to a pro rodeo. <laughs> All right, we're moving right along. One of my things that I hear all the time, Rob, and I want your opinion on this. I'm kind of jumping on handbone here, but I'm no, you're fine. I love the, the bullfight deal. I get this all the time, you know. Um, finding fighting bulls is tough. Um, when you when a lot of people don't realize when you buy the, the Mexican fighting bulls, you're buying a chance, and they're not cheap. You know, uh, we've went to Stevenson, California and bought, you know. 25 Mexican fighting bulls. Well, once you go through the fighting bulls, once you go through the 25, out of the 25, there might be nine that will move on. And some of the reason uh, of that is because uh, the younger generation throws a lot of fakes where they don't take those bulls in circles. So sometimes after you fake those bulls so many times, they just give up. So out of your 25 bulls, you got eight bulls that can move on. So it, it's getting harder and harder and, and financially. Those bulls are super expensive. And here's my pet peeve uh, that I'm getting to. So you, you try so hard to put these fighting bulls together. And when you get a good set of bulls that, that you can that you can fight and that will sell a show. Because yeah. people, people want to see the moves. You always have somebody say, where's the big bulls? By God, if they'd have the big bulls. Well, the big bulls are kind of gone. They're, you can't find a big set of bulls like you had. They're just... They're not there. I mean, people have tried to to put together the big brindles, but they they won't fight. They go to the corner. So, what's your opinion on the big bulls versus the little bulls in today's bullfighting? Well, I, I want to go more so with the old. I always like the Mexican fighting bulls. I like the bull that brought it to me. Yeah, you know, and and the Mexican fighting bull just kept coming. The Borba the Borba family had the monsters of the midway. But they, but they owned that dairy, you know, and, and they, those bulls were on corn silage. And they, you know, mm-hmm. those bulls, Bor- Borba's bulls outweighed everybody else's bulls by two, three hundred pounds. They were, they always had great big backs on them and, you know, and, and they were strong and they were, they were kept in irrigated pastures. And they, you know, Borba, they had, they had a bunch of them. The old man liked it and, and he had a good breeding program, you know. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the big bulls, yeah, you're not going to see them now like like they did. But, you know, Harper Harper had that J-16, you know, and J-10. They were two good ones out of Iceman. Harry had that good bloodline off the Purple People Eater that, to get Purple People Eater Jr., Crooked Nose, 153, B-47. You know, he, he got had a, got a bunch, 190. 
there was a whole bunch of those bulls come out of the old that old strain of Harry's, you know, and and they were big, they were dangerous, and they were smart. You know, there's a reason in Mexico they kill them when they fight them the first time. Those bulls aren't a dumb animal. Pretty soon they see your trick, they see your trick, Josh, they see my trick. They get smart in a hurry, you know, and then that's that's where the the games change. Those guys, those guys do pretty pretty good on green fresh bulls. But when it comes to those campaigners, they sure tend to spend a lot of time on the fence. Yeah. But the one thing I, I think, though, because here, here's the trick to that. I went to a bullfight in uh, Alabama and just watched it, and they had big, high-horned, cool-looking bulls. Well, most of them bait up in the corner. They wouldn't really drive through. Those guys had to try to dig everything out they could. They'd make one round. And then, you know, throw their hands up and, you know, then maybe take them to the barrel. And there just wasn't a lot of – there wasn't a lot of action in, in the whole deal. The next night they fought some uh, younger Mexicans that really hooked up and they jumped and threw back flakes on. And it was, it was pretty exciting. So, like, I'm just – I'm always kind of at a crossroads. I, li- I love the thought of the old bulls, but also I like the, the young bulls that, you know, they can kind of show out on. And I, every Facebook argument in bullfighting comes from the big bulls versus the old bulls. But I think there's a balance there that, that shows um, the guys who can handle the big, the big mean bulls. But it's just, it's just hard because there's not a lot of people that want to raise a purple people eater in today's society. Right. So, you gotta they gotta fight those those good strong Mexicans and obviously those guys gotta start working at putting their pins together and and make and making it work. And like when we used to get to the finals, you would have to try to match bulls to bulls. You it wasn't just one stock contractor's whole pin of bulls when you got there, even with the big bulls. That's right. I never even thought about that. You know, and so you what you what they need to really start doing at your BFOs or whatever bullfights, so be it, you know, the BFO, the UBF. But when you start getting to that finals, if one contractor doesn't have the eliminator pin that he but he's got three of them that belong there and another guy, then you're going to have to, you know, if, if they match up pretty even, then that's what you're going to have to fight. You're going to have right. to have two pins in the back to sort them with. But there's nothing worse than when it gets down to the point that you're trying to give away a world championship than to turn that contest into a drawn contest. Right. Yes. In anything. In, in any, bareback riding, bronze riding, in any steer event, wrestling. If, if, if I'm going to go in there and I'm going to be scared, I want everybody scared. <laughs> if we're going to go, if we're going to go in there laughing, then I want us all to laugh. Let's all. Yeah. Let's, this is the fun thing. I promise you, back in the day you mentioned earlier, the night that Crooked Nose and them were all out, it was pretty quiet in that locker room. Everybody was real serious about how they taped their ankles. Everybody was running it through their mind about the importance of that first move because the first move sets everything up. If on that first move he gets me pushed out and gets me running wild, well, now he's controlled me. If I can freaking get him and stick him in the ground that first move, now, come on! But could 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 you stick Crooked Nose in the ground because he was 
such a cheater. Crooked, crooked nose. The best thing that I ever did to crooked nose. Finally at Billings, Montana. I didn't. I never drew him at the NFR. I drew him. I drew him at Billings. I had him at Prescott. I had him everywhere else, but never at the NFR. Well, for a while there, I didn't have him for a couple of years, and I watched him. He would always make that one big run. He would always run down to the arena. He would always circle off that back wall to where he would come around like this, always with that big horn side to the inside of the arena, just like you were mentioning Hargo's video, right? And then he came down that pin. Everybody tried to beat him to that muley side, and he dropped that shoulder, and he could reach across there and whack you with that horn. The best thing you could ever do was go to that muley, start to that muley side and throw that fake and go back the other way. I got him at Billings that one year. I'd watched him and watched him, and I said, you know what? I set my barrel man at the third barrel, and I went to the rope and shoot. I leaned up against the rope and shoot. Scott Walton. Yep. They, oh, yeah. Harry Bulls. They used to, used to work for Harry, now Copenhagen Skull. Scott screaming, Smiths, you're up. It was Saturday night at Billings, Montana. And he's, you're up, you're up. And I said, let him go. They're going, you're up, get up here. I said, let him go. <laughs> I'm going to call for him here. <laughs> and then I called from him from the rope and shoot. And they're just screaming at me. So I start walking. I get about the third barrel and I wave. I don't, I don't go any further than that. Crooked Nose blows out into the arena and there's nobody there. And he kind of checks off and throws his head up like, what the hell? You know, then I go, hey, hey, oh, shit, here he comes, you know, 900 miles an hour. Well, he blowed by me, went to that corner. Well, when he went to that corner, as he come off that wall, here I was right there. I get me about two rounds to that horn side. He didn't handle himself too well that way because nobody goes that way. I get a couple of rounds. I get, get, get pushed out, get to the barrel. We thump the barrel a couple times. Here comes that whistle. Throw your hat in the air. Win the go around. Thank you very this, much. This is what I would do with game crooked. planning. This is what I would do with crooked nose right here. Ready for this? Be right back. <laughs> <laughs> he would leave. That's it. You know, and and what was what was kind of cool is, uh, and I learned this a few years ago. Andy Burrell was commentating a BFO at the, at the finals, and there was a one horn bull. And I never put this in my head, never thought of it. He said, go, it, you're, you're almost better off. You're better off to go to the, to the horn side because they're not as flexible that way because when they get flies off or whatever, they're, they're used to not having that horn on that side. So they have to, they've always reached more. And so they can actually, you know, they can, they can get you more on that inside. Is there any truth to that? Well, I think that's a BS statement, but what, what I think <laughs> – well, my opinion, my opinion on it is, is all those guys have, if they're going to try anything, they're going to try to beat him to that muley side. So that bull handles himself better going that way. If you did anything, the biggest, best thing to do would be if that muley side, I would hop that way to the muley side and hop fast to get him to thinking I was going and throw that fake and go back to that horn side. Because he's not, he's not used to handling himself 
well going to that horn side because nobody goes that way. Yeah. Whenever them guys try to beat him, that's why he's so flexible this way because that's the way everybody tries to beat him. That yeah, and flies is yeah. I don't well. Not, I mean, I well. I, I don't know the yeah. fly deal. Swatting bulls, maybe. Maybe I described it wrong, but uh, I thought that may, being more flexible the other way because he doesn't have that horn. But but is hey, I love I love the dirt. Yeah, did you go? Did you yeah. go for yeah. a shot? Or, he, did you go have a shot or what? I got to go have a gold buckle beer. Oh, official okay. beer broke chat. Okay. Um, last question about crooked nose, and I know we've talked about a bunch, but like when you drew that bull, honestly, Rob, were you like shit? Or did you? Because today we have, we have like a Hugh Hugh Hefner is a, a pretty uh, from Penthouse Fighting Bulls. He's not comparing him to to Crooked Nose, but he's he's a bad a cat, big mean son of a bitch. And uh, at the BFO finals, uh, Dil Dylan Ottoman picked him in the draft and was like, "What that you know?" But did you ever say, "Man, today's the day I want Crooked Nose"? Um, because back then you guys fought him quite a bit throughout the year. Yeah, we fought him. Did you ever? Did you ever? Did you ever say that's the one I want today? I had. Be honest, nose. Rob. I had crooked nose at Prescott, Arizona, and told Harry Bold, "Don't fall out of your chair today, boss. I'm going over him." And you did jump him. And I jumped him on that uh, day. Flat uh, off the ground or off, barrel, off barrel, the barrel, over the barrel. Say, that's, that's, that's over the barrel by yourself, not with somebody setting it for you. Oh, did your balls hit the that's, horn? Because that would take some <laughs> that, that's, that's, No, he, he, he come. I can remember when I was about seven, eight foot away from that barrel as I'm getting there. He's standing there looking at me and he went to shaking like, what the? And about the time I stepped on that barrel, he made a great big jump and he come. I jumped him from head to tail. I never touched him. We've got to get the video. What I do, Prescott, and real quick, Prescott, Arizona. Outstanding, cool ass rodeo. The world's yeah. oldest rodeo. Town. Where it all started. You know, it is it is badass. You, how long were you there? I worked Prescott so 10, 15 years. Yeah, Court, I worked. I worked, still there. I worked St. Paul for years. I worked St. Paul for a bunch of years, and then got the opportunity to go to Prescott. In fact, my first year that I went to Prescott, I had been in St. Paul, Oregon. My good friend Arlie Bonaha from the Yavapai tribe. He, he comes every, he still, he comes right? every year. Arlie lives right up there on the res. Arlie had gotten hurt. They called me in St. Paul, Oregon, asked me to come down and come finish the rodeo. And they flew, they flew me in, picked me, picked me up at Phoenix and flew me in on this little Cessna. And I mean, the lightning was popping. I, I didn't think we were going to get in there that night. But we got there, fought bulls there, and then I, I worked Prescott for till I retired. You know, it, it's a, it's a very cool place. It's, 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 there. A great show. it's an it's awesome. Okay, yeah, Jim Dewey Brown is now in charge of Prescott, which yep, is a good. Yep, yep. JC Trujillo retired, and and uh, uh, all the best to him and his family. But um, okay, next chapter. Um, one question, and it's not about freestyling; it's about protection. Okay. This might, and I don't want to put you on the spot. One guy that you would fight with, I was, I don't know, I was going to say 15, a yeah, a bear with. Yeah, one guy that you would step in with 15 at the NFR, the baddest from, you know, from Halburns to the Miles Crooked Hammond. Nose to 
Miles Hair. Okay, that's your guy. Miles Hair. I would, put, I would agree with you that. Put, you put you put me with me and Miles Hair together, and I'll match any two guys in the business. But I I, I want to say one thing about Miles Hair though. <laughs> like I always loved Miles Hair because when he would fight Bulls at Houston, and they played Houston on like CBS when I was little, and uh, Miles always looked like when he was in his bullfighting gear with his beard, he looked like he just got done changing oil in nine semis. Like he was not the clean little cute, you know, whatever he miles looked dirty, but it looked dirty, tough. Like miles pulled it off better than most. Cause I'm dirty. And everybody makes fun of me. You give me miles hair and tell me you got somebody that's down in hell. You want us to come out with and we'll bring him back. That's awesome. I, I, I love that, you know that you know that statement right there, Rob. Reminds me of a uh, a meme I saw, and it was a uh, someone asked Michael Jordan if the how bad would the Bulls oh, yeah. be? You know, LeBron James and the Lakers today, and he goes, "Oh, you know, two, three, four points." And like, "Oh, it'd be that close." He goes, "Well, we're all in our sixties now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that's the same. That, that's the same. You know, and that is funny because, um. First time I was around Miles was he was still fighting Houston. Yeah. And I was in my 20s. Like, it's not – it was not that terrible long ago. Him and Rick Chapman, Bumblebee. Yeah. God bless They were still fighting Houston. Yeah. And uh, Corey Wall had come in. But, yeah, it was it was pretty insane. I was like, holy cow. Actually, I, one, it would be two guys. It would be Miles Heron. It would be Jimmy Anderson. That would be yeah, my two, that would be my two choices, and whatever you send us after, we'll come out with. What a world of difference, too. Now you know. Now you know it's it's jerseys and caps and and shorts like Rump's wearing now. You know, I mean, you know the PBR. You know well, what yeah. started all the uh, that Jimmy still wore his purple hat and shorts. He wore his hat with the <laughs> oh, horns. Yeah. That's what I love, Jungle Jimmy, because of the hat with the horns. Was somebody bat. ought to break that out. Here's oh, a Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson's card said, "Danger is my business." <laughs> I saw that Mike Servi's got one of his cards. Yeah, that. that yeah. So, um, transferring from PRCA, you were you started off as the glory days. You were the first Jersey guy, which I'm a Jersey guy now, and I've so in a way I'm kind of like Rob Smets, where I have the Rob Smets face paint and the jersey, but um, from. From a great career, even though you had a couple broken necks and you know normal bullfighter stuff, you uh, and you got train, dude. Is that Miles? <laughs> Is that, that, Miles? That, was, that was Mama checking on us, making sure. Yeah. sure. We'll, we'll we'll wrap up here in a minute, but so yeah. going yeah. to the PBR. Talk about the early days of the PBR and the jersey because the jersey is another thing. On it was a shakeup. It was a shakeup. The yeah. uh, the the PBR started talking about doing it. And they, they had a company from back east, and it was a real funky-looking jersey that they'd made. So Carla and I and a buddy of mine, Duncan Dickinson, and, and a guy named Ty from there in McLean, Texas, kind of drew it out, and then Duncan put it together. Teresa Underdown made a deal for me with CarQuest and ASC, and at that year's NFR in 2000, I let, I let everybody go to the arena. All those guys went out before me, and I never put it on till the last minute. And then I pulled the shorts on in the jersey and and cracked it out for CarQuest ASE at that NFR, and all the guys kind of looked at me like, what the heck? 
Well, it was a good deal, and and it ended up being a it was a really nice deal from CarQuest and ASC for for that whole year, and then the PBR that whole year saw how good it was, and 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 it's a nice clean look, and it's and it's very advertising friendly, you know, very very sponsor friendly, and then Carhartt came on board, and then Dickey came on board, and now you've got U.S. Border Patrol, you've got all these different you know, Cooper tires for Flint and, and it just, it took off from there and it, and it was a good clean look. And I, I got a lot of good years from the, with the Seminole tribe of Florida back, Florida, the Spittleback Ranch from up in Matitsi, Wyoming, you know, and, and, and able to make a little bit of money on the side other than just didn't. Uh, absolutely. It's huge. And even, even, you know, uh, at San Angelo here, I had, you know, family power sports boats and right. ATVs and all that stuff. You know, they sponsor both fighters. We bought them in on a $28,000 Polaris spotlights and, and everything in a dark house. And they come in and a drunk committee man driving them in and they jump out and he spins out. But, you know, that looked great on that. So we could sell it. But one thing we do, and what I, uh, if there's any committees out there listening, let these guys, because they've, you know, a lot of guys got, you know, gold buckle beer or boot barn or cabin or whatever. Yeah, uh, American hats, rockstar sound. Yeah, put 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 their logo on there too because some sure. rodeos they they'll they'll just sell it to one company. Go no no you can't. Well that's you you can't do that to the guys because you don't own you're renting. If I hire Rob Smets, I'm renting you. I don't own you. Right. You know I'm not the Dallas Cowboys. I don't own the rights to your you know to you. So that's what I implore you because that is how you guys can make that extra ends meet. That makes it, you know, a better living for you and your family. Right. And that, and that's what it's all about because it's only for a short time. At one point in time, Sean Gleason laughed, popped off at me that one day, and he goes, Smets, you look like damn NASCAR, all them stickers all over you. And he goes, we need to do something about that. And I said, Gleason, I'm just about done. You just leave me alone, and once I'm done, you do whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah, now, and now so we laugh about it, you know. But and he was good to me, you know. The the PBR was real good to us. The greatest the the greatest venue a guy could want to work is the PBR. Mm -hmm. And isn't that crazy to think about when you look back to your career? Nineteen seventy seven, you're in Cow Palace. And you fast forward to the two thousand, you're at the the biggest uh, coliseums in North America with uh -huh. the PBR. I from, I've been. I was blessed, man. I went from Hawaii to Florida, Alaska to Brazil, just about every state in the United States. I worked with Wick Pest, Skipper Voss, Jimmy Anderson, Miles Hare, Bobby Romer, Bob Donaldson, Dale Woodard, Quail Dobbs, John Taylor, Ted Justin Rumford, Justin Rumford, one year Carney. Rumford finally showed up before I was done. You know, toughness. I mean, I, I went through the, the the crazy thing about it is I was there when Donnie Gay and Denny Flynn were riding bulls still. I've been through them. I've been through tough, tie, lane. I fought bulls five of the seven times lane got on Red Rock. I was wow. fighting bulls. I was fighting bulls that night in Redding, California when he rode him the first time. Wow. I, was there, I was there when just – when Jim Sharp wrote all 10 at the NFR, him and Norman Curry and Adriano, I, you know, I've been blessed to have the best seat in the house day in and day out. It wasn't work. Rump, you know what? Huh? You just 
Josh, you know, it's not work. When it's something that yep. you love, it's not work. One, one last question before we let you go. You're taking care of your buddies. It don't get no better yep. than that. One last question before you go. If you could get in the time machine right now, what would when was the best year ever for Rob Smith? Oh, that's a lot of years. I if you could say this year I fought bulls the best I ever had and had the most fun, what year was it? Um obviously I, I won back to back worlds 1985 and 1986. You know, I mean it, it, it's pretty tough to beat 25, 26 years old. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, in all aspects of life. You know what I mean? The, the 25, 26, because of because of the strength and conditioning that I was in. But 94, you know, 94, 95, 96, and, and having gone through the broken necks and, and, and the trials. But the best thing that ever happened to me, Rump, that we didn't get to talk about was 1998. I got saved. Amen. And I asked Jesus Christ into my life and things started turning around. Now, did it all turn around in a day? Hell no. Yeah. This has been, it's been a 23 year journey, you know, but now, it gives me an opportunity too because I can go speak to some guys that I've been there. I've been there, done that. I went to a jail here two years ago. They took me up to Kansas and they took me to three different towns in three nights. And I spoke in, in the towns and went to the jails in the daytime. And the guys would sit there. And finally, the one guy looks up at me and he goes, "You do know?" And I said, "Yeah, I know." Yeah. I said, "The only thing, yeah. the only thing difference between me and you was you got caught." Yeah. Now. Didn't you help Frank Newsom? Frank News Frank Newsom come Frank Newsom called me at midnight as he was yep. on his way out of, out of Albuquerque. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't know because I only heard obviously second, third, fourth, fifth hand. Yeah. But you you did help him through a rough time. We called Carla and I in Shamrock, Texas. He stayed with us for a while and then I helped him get in he then he went over to Randy Stahl's place in McLean, Texas, and and Randy helped him a whole bunch. Yeah. You know, know and, and Frank and Frank is is to me Frank, Frank, personally Frank, is is up there the with you. Frank's been to the top of the mountain. He went down in a valley and he loved the game so much he's come all the way back to the top of the mountain. There's Frank's the last of the old school. Yeah, he really is. And he, he really is he's still rock like he's still rocking. He's still solid as there. I mean as a bullfighter, I've watched him on TV. Man, Frank does not miss a step still no. to this day. But, you know, I think, Frank, he's getting to that age. because Well, father time's undefeated. We yeah. all know that. But you, you, can't, you can't beat it. I got to fight him until I was 46. And that's, that's when oh I Oh, my God. Out. I got six <laughs> more years to get back in shape. That's when I, I, I for the third time. So I do, I do like that about it, Rob, because, like, in your story, you went through the the ups and the downs, and and that's one thing at Rub Chat. You know, like we like to drink beer, and sometimes we say some bad words, but we love Jesus, and well, absolutely, we, we love bullfighting and rocking and rolling. So I think your story is just so cool, and 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 the cool thing is your legacy lives on. Is I've had so many sixteen year old kids come up to me and be like, "Do you know Rob Smets?" I'm like, "Oh hell yeah, I got Rob Smets's phone right here." You know, so like uh, even though you're you're retired and, and uh, you've been through your career, which has been probably 
of all the careers, no matter what, if you look at the buckles or nothing else, historic from just the timeline is the most historic bullfighting that I think that we will ever have in rodeo. I mean, the, the, the walking with legends, like I said earlier, walked with legends. I mean, three generations of bullfighters and bull riders. Yeah. Right. Really. I, like I said, the, the cool the cool thing is, is I was blessed to play a game I loved. I ended up where I wanted to end up as far as I got, I'm in the, was put in the PRCA Hall of Fame, the Bull Rider Hall of Fame. A couple years ago, I got to go into the National Cow, Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City. So, That's awesome. So I got, I got where I wanted. I, I mean, obviously, if you're going to play a game, you want to be able to say that you could play with the best. The rest, the rest of it, who, who's a goat or who's anything like that? Let them argue about it. All I want is I'm in that group that when it, when that circle's talked about, that I could tie my cleats on with them. That's all that's Amen, important. Amen, Rob. That's, that's so awesome. You couldn't put it. Nobody could put it better, Rob. That that's mm-hmm. that's uh that's no true words have been spoken. That's good stuff. But we we sure appreciate your time and and uh, for coming on Rump Chat and 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 some, telling some stories with us. It's it's just an honor. I want to come back one time, out. but you want to bring me and Miles here together. We will do it. Let's do it. We got to get where we got to find a time where we can we all be together, together, sitting around a table. Y'all well, can drink can iced teas and Pepsi's. We'll, let, okay. Okay. Let's do it. Let's stay in touch on that this year. NFR. Holy shit. We can go up into one of them rooms there at the old South Point and let old Michael gone give us a room to go do one in and. Yeah, well, we're we're, we're, we're open right now. We're, yeah, we're we're, yeah. we're shopping, but yeah, but we, we will can, do that for sure. And, and that that would be, be awesome. I would love to hear Miles. Well, I wasn't thinking it. about a de- the nightly show. I was meaning if we could do one to work for this. No, but just yeah, that's we what we do. We, we can do. We can go on the nightly show and go do it. You bet. Well, well, you know, we do one in the afternoon is when we do ours, and then Rump's yeah. got his watch party, right, and stuff like okay. that, but. Which, even on that, you got to have him on the watch. Party. I would love to have him. I'd love yeah. to. Him. Keep me in mind. Hey, we'll oh, the other thing, what am I doing now? I work for the WCRA. I am yep. the alliance manager. You had my boss, Mr. Bobby Modon, just the other day at Corpus yeah. Christi. And the coolest thing about the WCRA is it doesn't matter whether you go to jackpots, PRCA shows, open shows, or whatever amateur organization you're with, you can earn points at them all. And if you happen to win three of our major events in a row, bingo, there's a million dollars. A million dollars. That's pretty amazing. I mean, the money in, in all of professional rodeo now, whether it's yeah, PRCA really or WCRA, stuff. isn't that yeah. great? Yeah. You should you should have stayed for Corpus. We had a really good time asking you. Yeah. Well, I, did, yeah, we I, drank. Well, I, was, I was good. And it was good. It was Carla's birthday and Mother's Day weekend. I came Oh, home. no. No, got to take care of Mama. Got to take care good. of Mama. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, that's so good. Carla hug from us. Yeah, thank okay. you, Rob, so much for your time, brother. And uh, we look to hear for more. And 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 to all of our listeners, um, go follow Rob on Facebook. Does awesome testimonials and reads the good Seven, book. And seven fifteen a.m. Central Time daily. Rob Smets. It's on the on the, the pages, not the page that you have to like. As a you know, asked to be on, but you can just like the page. And uh, you don't have to worry about friend requests. Yeah, I, I watched the replay because 
Uh, I'm feeding Gus at yeah. 7.15 a.m., my little boy. But I watched the replay. But but I, I encourage you all, if you, if you like the good word and, and to learn some, some cool lessons, uh, give Rob a follow. So, anyway, Rob Smets, thank you, brother. We really appreciate you, amigo. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. You bet. We'll thank talk you. to you later. God bless.